Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for On the Money, presented by Embassy National Bank. Hello, everybody. This is Joe Moss, and you're listening to On the Money, brought to you by Embassy National Bank. I am the president there at the bank, and I'll be moderating this show. It is Wednesday, July the 9th, and... uh, Again, we have a great show lined up for you with a really uh, interesting topic and a, and a great guest. I want to introduce you to David Post, who is the president and founder of Future Security, a company here in Gwinnett County um, that, that handles security and theft, et cetera, for small businesses uh, here in Georgia. Plus, he has some philanthropic uh, items that he does that I find of interest, and we'll give him a chance to talk about those as well. But David, welcome to our show. Joe, it's good to be here. Um, tell me about your your company, Future Security. What is the scope? What What do you do? Well, basically, what we do now is uh, uh, improve profits for different companies, whether they're uh, some of my clients are Fortune 100 companies that have certain needs. And some of the companies that we deal with are very small companies that have different needs. Uh, the bottom line is the same. You have to reduce your profits. And unfortunately, a lot of that has to do with theft, productivity, uh, attitudes, morales, policies, and procedures. And those are the areas where we get heavily involved. Within those areas, what is your main focus point, would you say? What's your, what's your real talent? Uh, getting rid of the people that are costing you a lot of money. Give me an example of um, some things that you've seen within a small business. Well, uh, the smaller businesses have generally have uh, employee theft problems that may involve some product. Uh, in the retail sector, which is very difficult, uh, it's hard to keep track of things because they don't usually, smaller companies don't usually keep real accurate inventories. And uh, if things get missing, then they usually just chalk that up to, uh, we had a shoplifting problem. And unfortunately, a lot of that, if not most of that, is employee theft. So this is good just walking out the door, either uh, at the end of the day or during the day or whatever. Could be, uh, could be any time. You know, there, I I could tell you a lot of different stories from the food service business uh, to manufacturing. uh, And they all, they all have different uh, profiles, if you will, or different personalities. And uh, you just have to go in and take a look and see what it is that they do, how they do it, and find their weak links. How big is the problem? It's huge. Uh, you know, in Georgia, Georgia happens to be, I believe, the last time they were ranked as the second worst state in the country for bankruptcies. Nevada was first. I think Tennessee was third. And if you look at the reasons for bankruptcies, theft often has a lot to do with that. Theft, productivity, and morale. The rest of it is management-related. So the the theft issue kind of tracks the the economy? Absolutely. Okay. So what's the mindset of the employee who thinks they can just walk out the door with product? Well, the, the biggest problem, as I see it, is a lack of controls. And we do a lot of uh, training, management training, regarding policies and procedures. There's an old saying, if you don't inspect it, don't expect it. And we try and teach people to inspect it, 
but we have to make sure they have something to inspect. Mm -hmm. A lot of companies don't have their policies and procedures set up properly, or they ignore them. Uh, those are the areas where we start looking. And if, if an employee sees, for example, if it's a, a procedure that when a product goes to a staging area, that a manager checks it and makes sure that the, the count is correct, uh, and the manager's on the phone doing other things, and the employees that are bringing that product to the staging area, no, he's not going to check it. They may overload a shipment and have it develop a collusive situation with the driver, and now they, they have extra product that they can sell on the way. So a lot of this theft that occurs, is it, uh, does it require an accomplice on the outside? or Depends on the scope. Okay. Um, we did uh, one of the one of the things I found interesting. We put undercover people in facilities, and uh, we put some undercover people in a uh, national furniture manufacturing facility. And I'm not obviously I'm not going to mention any names uh, because they thought they had a drug problem, and they did have a drug problem. But what we found out was they had a small group inside that were taking orders for furnitures. Example, let's say you had a $5,000 break front that you wanted. You would find out which side was going to go up against the wall and you would damage that side. And the company at the time had a policy where they would sell this to damaged mer merchandise for 10 cents on the dollar to their employees. Well, the employees would take that damaged merchandise that they damaged and sell it for 25 cents or more on the dollar. And the only one that loses is the company. Well, they, they obviously, after we broke up that ring, changed their policy. So how do you catch this stuff? You have to look. Uh, either surveillance, uh, cameras are great. Uh, a lot of companies have cameras and they don't monitor them properly. Or it's on tape, but they don't look at it uh, because it's very time-consuming. And, you know, we're a very convenient society, uh, but you have to look. Uh, or you put undercover people in. Uh, we send out a lot of investigators to do in interviews, interrogations, and we still do polygraphs. Now, how, how large is your staff? Well, at one time we had over 200 individuals, and I sold uh, the two largest divisions of my company to one of the biggest uh, organizations in, in America. And uh, the staff that we use now is probably about eight, but they're all uh, highly qualified investigative or consulting individuals. Now, to, to meet these, to, to meet the staff, though, would they come across as security kind of people, or they, or would you just think of them as as uh, pretty normal folks? Well, the the folks that we have would come across as management personnel. And usually when we go into a facility, we go in as a management consultant because we don't want employees to know, oh, they brought security guys in here to look around. Mm -hmm. uh, even when we set up safety programs, uh, a lot of companies are having problems with their fleets. Uh, trucks not going where they're supposed to go. They're drinking at lunchtime. Uh, they're uh, providing uh, services to uh, folks that aren't registered customers uh, on while they're on the clock. So uh, surveillance is, is one of the things that we do. So 
in other words, a delivery person could say, I'll take this from here to there. You just pay me 50 bucks and he uses the truck to do that. Well, I'll give you an example. We, uh, we did work for a, uh, very large, uh, company that, um, they basically cut up cement shopping centers and, and that particular company used diamond blades to cut the cement. And uh, one of the uh, executive level managers called me one day and said, Dave, I think we have a problem. We're going through X amount of these diamond blades and they're very expensive. I bet. Uh, and we're not, we can't justify the number of blades for the amount of work. So we put some undercover people in on a couple of the crews and they were doing side jobs that weren't being reported to the company using their diamond blades, their equipment while they're on the clock. I mean, that even makes it worse. Oh, my goodness. So, you know, if you can think of a way to steal, uh, and sometimes it's just theft of time. But if you can think of a way to steal, you're, uh, you, someone's doing it. So is this something that you can see in an employee before you hire them? Well, you know, old saying uh, track record is very important. And uh, we do a lot of screening. We do everything uh, from basic screening to executive level screening. And what I mean by that is basically if you wanted to hire somebody, there's, there's a process that they really need to go to. First of all, you have to find out whether they're working and where they worked. You have to find out whether or not they have decent credit, whether or not they have any kind of a criminal record. And if they can get through that part, uh, what, what we've done and what I always recommend to my clients is that they drug test them. Mm-hmm. One of the things I've seen over the last 40 some years is that you can have someone that steals from you that doesn't do drugs. If you have somebody that does drugs, they're going to steal from you. It just depends on how much, right? When and how much. Yeah. Um, so you, you'll do help companies through this whole screening process, right? Uh, do you all provide the drug testing yourself? We the do. background checks yourself? We do. What databases do you use for the, for the, uh, background checks? Uh, we have various databases that, that we use to, to get the information. Uh, the, it depends on what state they're in. And a lot of states require, if you, it depends on what you're looking for. If you want to, if they're from out of state, uh, now Georgia, we're very fortunate because, uh, the database that we use covers all of Georgia. If you want to get a criminal record check, It'll cover the whole state. Mm-hmm. Uh, some states, you have to run it county by county, which can get fairly expensive. So that's up to, that's up to our clients. If the client knows that they lived in this county in uh, Virginia and they worked in that county, you may only want to run those two counties instead of the whole state because you're going to pay for each, each time you run. Now, um, You've mentioned several large companies. Now, give me an idea of some of the smaller companies that you've worked for and what you have found in them. Well, the the smaller companies, uh, the smaller companies have a, a real difficult time because they generally don't have the same resources that the larger companies do. And it's probably not the right thing to say, but a lot of them shoot from the hip, mm-hmm. if you will. Uh, if somebody walks in the door. Uh, you know, they look good, they sound good, uh, where did you work? And they look at their application and they hire them. And sooner or later, that's going to, that's going to be very costly. It's either paying now. It's kind of like your vehicle. You know, you can either, uh, keep it serviced, um, 
and spend the money now or it's going to cost you more later. So uh, how much, for example, let, let me get, use an example. We have a, we have a client uh, that uh, will distribute uh, tools um, and runs about a sales of about three to four million dollars a year, uh, probably hire 20 people. Uh, in that particular example, how much would they have to pay for a background check on bringing somebody in? Uh, depending on what they want to do, it could be somewhere between 30 and $40. So that's you know, cheap. It's extremely cheap. Because all they've got to do is walk out with one part. Right. And they've paid for the whole thing, haven't they? It's an inconvenience. Yeah. That's why a lot of companies don't do it. It's not always because of the, the cost. Sometimes it's just because of the inconvenience. What about a... Uh, just some examples. I try to get specific here for people. Uh, for example, a, uh, we have a lot of clients that own convenience stores. And uh, so they've got the person sitting behind the glass. What kind of risk do those people take? For robbery? No, robbery on the front end. But what about behind with the employee? Well, it's, it's, it's the same everywhere you go. It depends what kind of controls they have. Uh, you know, if he's controlling the money and he's taking in cash and he's not ringing it up, uh, you know, even in a in a bar situation, uh, one of the ways that employees steal there, uh, and they don't really think it's stealing, but you order a drink that should have one shot in it, they'll give you a double shot and eventually get a bigger tip. They don't really think that's stealing, but it is stealing. Mm -hmm. So any, it depends on how you look at it. Do uh, different employers? draw the line differently, for example, use of the company copier or use of the company fax machine for personal reasons? Do some employers forbid that and ask you to look for those kinds of things, or how far do some, do some folks go? Well, I don't, I don't get involved in areas that re involve the number of copies that someone might make, but I understand what you're asking. Yeah, a lot of companies do draw the line, and unfortunately – uh, a lot of companies will also have a percentage that they are willing to lose. Uh, they may say, uh, we're willing to give up 3% of our, our product for theft, damage, whatever it is. As long as it doesn't go over 3%, we're fine. Well, if you have employees that know that, there may not be a lot of damage, but there may be 3% worth of theft. Yeah. Hold that thought for a minute. This is On the Money, brought to you by Embassy National Bank. This is Joe Moss, your moderator, and uh, we're talking to David Post, who runs the company Future Security. We're having a really interesting talk on employee security and employee theft matters. And uh, we're talking about an uh, uh, employer that would say, I'm comfortable with losing 3% of my profit margin to theft, loss, whatever, and f continue on that thought. Well, you know, years ago, uh, while working with some of the bigger companies, I actually offered them uh, what I thought was a really good deal. I said, uh, let me come in and let me work on a percentage of what I can save you. Won't cost you anything up front. And uh, I couldn't find any takers. Mm -hmm. uh, one thing is they didn't want me in their books, hmm. uh, which I can understand. It's a little personal. but. Right. If I'm going to do it on that basis, I'm going to want to see some numbers. Mm -hmm. uh, but I thought that was a very good way to, to generate some revenue. 
Uh, too many companies right now are comfortable making whatever it is they're making. And, uh, you know, it's really funny because years ago, uh, when I was running my company, I used what I called an inver inverted pyramid. When the pro see, in most companies, the profits start at the top and eventually work their way down. Mm -hmm. We flipped that around and the profits started at the bottom rung and worked their way up. And if the people on the bottom got, got some extra bonuses, pay raises, and it didn't work its way up to me, well, that was fine. Not too many companies operate that way. No, they don't. They, uh, they want to make sure that the brass is taken care of first, which is a host creates another host of issues. Um, you mentioned that some companies may be comfortable with a 3% loss. I, I recall a story that my dad told me about Farmer Jones and the hand, uh, the gentleman that he hired to, to work his farm. And, uh, um, he, uh, he, he got he got caught stealing, and they said, "Are you going to fire him?" He said, "No, he didn't steal that much because I figure that if he takes just a little bit, that uh, he'll he'll just feel comfortable taking a little bit. But if I put the screws on him, then he's really going to try to hurt me. So maybe that's that where that all comes hmm. from." Well, you know, I read this sentence one time. Can't remember quite which book it came out of. Some of you may know, but it said something like, "Who is?" Faithful in the smaller will be faithful in the greater. Yeah. Well, who will steal the smaller will steal the greater. Well, once they know they can do it, it probably just grows and grows and grows. It's like a carrot. Yeah. You know, you hang out a carrot to a hungry person. And today, I think we understand today that uh, the loyalty that we had years ago, you know, people retired from a company and they got a gold watch or something that says, thank you for your service. That very seldom happens today. Uh, now it's, you know, I've been here five years and I haven't got the money that I ought to, or I'm working a lot harder than the guy next to me, and they feel like they can justify whatever it is that they take. Now, um, uh, a hotel, for example, we have a lot of hotel owners that we bank. Have you ever done any work for a hotel before? We have. What, what kind of stuff do you see there? Um well, what's the most unusual thing I've guessed that you've seen? The most unusual thing in a hotel? Yeah. I can't really think of anything uh, unusual. You know, they steal from the bar. Right. Uh, they steal product. Uh, sometimes drunk uh, tenants or residents are missing things that hotel employees may have taken. Uh, kind of goes on and on. You know, it's the same thing. All businesses pretty much are the same. They're just different ways of costing them uh, profits. Yeah, I, I, I heard one story where a hotel clerk would uh, sell rooms off the book and just take cash money for selling rooms off the book and uh, made a pretty good living doing that. And the only way you could catch it if you showed up and counted noses each night. Yeah, that's just like selling product and taking cash. Right. Uh, now, in a, in a, like in a, I don't know, uh, comes to mind, a Hallmark card store. Um, inventory control seems pretty tight there. Um, how do you get around it? How would an employee get around that? Uh, well, if you, have, if you have a lot of product that's very hard to inventory, you really need to have a, a decent camera system. 
and it has to be properly monitored uh, because, you know, sometimes things are just really difficult to, uh, to monitor. I mean, if it's, you know, if you have a, a trucking facility, you make trucks, you know, you're going to miss a truck. You may not miss five or ten cards, but those five or ten cards are going to cost you money. And see, it's funny in the in the retail business, and I'll give you an example. Let's say you have a small shop that sells uh, clothing, purses, or whatever. Well, let's say you have a, a, an employee that steals one of your purses that you paid $10 for, and the mar and the market you were going to sell it for twenty. Okay, how many purses do you have to now sell just to make up for the one that's gone? Well, th- that's the example they use in a grocery store. You know, if you sell, if you just lose one thing, the markup is so small in a grocery store, you've got to sell so much more grocery to get around that. And a lot of businesses don't have that kind of volume. Right, right, right. Um, when you make when you make your rounds and you just go around talking to people are you good enough to identify that this employee may be more susceptible to it than this other employee well that's a loaded question but i'm going to try and answer it anyhow i can walk into a manufacturing facility and i can gear the attitude of the employees i can look and see whether or not it's clean around their work area i can see the attitude by looking at their face, the expressions, how they're working on the job, who they're talking to, how they're talking to other people. And you can get an idea whether or not there is a morale issue. If there's a morale issue, there's a problem. It may be a productivity problem or it may be a theft problem. So that that's kind of hard to say. Uh, but looking at uh, just going in, let's say you, you had XYZ business. You say, hey, come on in here. Tell me if I have any potential problems. Well, the first thing I'm going to want to do is find out exactly what they do. And then I'm going to want to see the files on all the employees. Mm-hmm. Because if you start looking at files, they're going to be indicators. You know, and uh, when you start seeing, uh, when you start seeing files that have applications in them and there's not a month where they weren't working, but they've had five or six or seven or eight different jobs, something's wrong. Because they didn't get another job before they quit each one. Right. That's an indicator. Now, it could happen. Right. But right. there are a lot of things that you can look at that are indicators. Is productivity a bigger loss than than fraud? Than fraud or theft? Or theft. I'm sorry, theft. Uh, depends. Depends on the industry. Uh, let's say that you have uh, two or 300 employees. And they're working at 70% because there's a morale issue. What is that 30% of 200 employees costing you? Mm-hmm. Depends on the product. Uh, so yeah, that's a, what, that's a, a question that you have to really look at. But yeah, productivity can be extremely expensive. And, uh, now you, you keep mentioning morale as an upfront thing. Um, what are, I guess you've seen you promote ways to improve morale. What are some of your top ways that you suggest to try to improve morale? Uh, By implementing policies, by developing better communications with your employees. And uh, see, what you have to do is you have to get your folks to buy in to whatever the situation is. 
You know, if you have a program, you have to get them to buy into it. If they don't believe in it or they don't think you're going to, uh, you're, you're going to manage it or they don't think it's going to be effective, they're not going to buy into it. So it's a matter of one, developing a program that is workable and one that you can sell to your employees. Mm-hmm. And I would think, um, taking care of your good employees probably goes a long way as well because then they'll become, they'll, they'll report on stuff that they see. Hopefully. Yeah. Well, that's, that's another problem because no one wants to get into anyone else's business. So you have to figure out a a way, either a, a way to anonymously, and we've helped set up anonymous reporting programs, uh, where an employee can let someone know what's going on without them being named. Uh, but a lot of times your good employees, uh, won't tell you what's going on. Mm-hmm. You, you have to just kind of find out for yourself. Um, now what about, um, myself as a customer, what obligation do I have to the business? If I see something going on or if I'm approached, what should I do? That's another depends question. Uh, as a customer, what are your values? Uh, you know, what, what do you think is right and wrong? If you see something going on, do you just say, you, you know, that doesn't really involve me and you let it go? Or do you think you should say something to somebody? I think that's a very, that's a personal issue. Now, if you're a customer and you see that there's a theft issue that could be costing you money because their prices are going up, you may be a little more inclined to, uh, to mention that. Or you could take it a little bit further. If you're a customer that decides to participate on an ongoing basis in some type of a little ring, you're at risk of getting caught. Right. Because the employee might start singing. And then you're just as guilty as the employee, aren't you? Probably. (laughs) At least you ought to feel like you are. Right. Uh, Right. But, you know, there's another issue, too. Uh, I don't know how your workers comp. Uh, in church is is uh, handled at your organization, but workers' comp can get very expensive, mm-hmm. and workers' comp fraud and abuse is rampant. And we work a lot of uh, workers' comp issues as well to find out if that knee really hurts, or if that arm is is really hurt. See, one of the things that happens if you have a if you have a facility that has a morale issue. And someone sees an opportunity to take two months off, three months off, and get paid, and they don't like what they're doing, they don't like what's going on, they're a lot more inclined to slip and fall. Oh, they hurt their back, which is very hard to diagnose. Yes. Uh, and I mean, I remember one time uh, I got a call from this was a funny story. I, I thought it was kind of strange. Anyhow, the president of a fairly large company called me. And uh, he was having some problems with one of his VPs. And his VP had fallen down. They were having some real disagreements, and the president was about to let him go. Anyhow, he fell down and hurt his back. So he was supposed to be laid up, not able to walk, do anything. And I put an investigator uh, on the case, and we were surveilling his house, which was actually a mansion. Uh, it was a rather large house, and he had a long driveway that went up the hill. And in the uh, during the surveillance, we got video uh, 
of him carrying a computer out of the house, put it in his car, and what he was doing, he was taking it to get it repaired. So we followed him to the repair shop. And after he left, we went in and because we were going to verify that this person was in the shop and you know who he was and get all the documentation. Well, in getting the documentation, we got the serial number off of the computer. He had stolen the computer from the company. Wow. So by the time we got done, the, the VP left peaceably with no workers' comp claim uh, and no additional dollars. Um, what Within professional companies, um, give me some ideas. Expense reports, uh, what other stuff do you look at? Well, you have to look at expense reports. And if they go to the restaurants, you need to look and see what they're getting, whether they're eating meals or spending 30 or $40 just drinking booze. Mm-hmm. Uh, you check their mileage, you know. Uh, but, you know, you have to rely. If, when you talk about expense reports, you're generally talking about salespeople. Mm-hmm. Well, salespeople are generally very outgoing, different personalities. That's why they're salespeople. Uh, so you have to cut them a little bit of slack because they're going to spend more on entertaining and and things like that. But, uh, you know, you have to have your limits. If if uh, if they're not supposed to, to drink alcohol and include it in, in any of your sales reports, well, then that's your rules. Mm-hmm. And if they do and it's a customer and that's part of what they're allowed to do, then that's what they're allowed to do. So it depends on how you set up your, your policies. Um, I, I used to know a gentleman who, uh, lived off his expense report and, um, uh, it was amazing what he would, what he would do. Um, but we had, we eventually one of us, we, three of us came forward and basically told what was going on because it was affecting our back pocket because our bonuses were reduced accordingly. So that's why we did it. You had to share it with him, right? Yeah, right. Absolutely. And he wasn't doing anything. Right, right. Um, well, let's let's um, let's summarize for a minute. So, what I hear you saying is, from the very beginning, one of the big things that you can do to count uh, to try to reduce your employee theft and, and loss is in the hiring process. That's correct. Spend the money, run a background check. I find it interesting that your comment is that uh, that. Uh, you, whenever you catch somebody with their hand in the till, they typically have a drug problem. Isn't that what you said? No, I basically what I said was that there are people that will steal that don't have a drug problem, but if they have a drug problem, they will steal. They will steal. Okay. And um, so let's talk about that for a minute. Do you, how many companies now drug test before uh, getting hired? Well, a lot of the uh, a lot of the larger companies uh, are starting to to drug test now. Uh, they're doing pre-employment drug testing. Unfortunately, they usually stop there. Uh, you can do random drug testing, but uh, it has to be set up that's in accordance with federal law. In other words, it has to be random. You can't have a supervisor come in and say, "You know what? I think we ought to drug test John over here." No, you can't do it. You can do it by birthday. You can do it by date of employment. You can do it any way you want to do it, but it has to be random. It can't be a punitive type thing. No, unless you have extreme probable cause. It's kind of like the polygraph. 
Right. You can't just polygraph people because you're missing a half a million dollars worth of inventory. You have to have probable cause and go through all the steps that meet federal regulations now, uh, unlike when they – see, before they passed the Polygraph Protection Act in 1988, you could polygraph anybody and say, you know what, we're missing stuff. Let's polygraph the whole warehouse. You can't do that anymore. Okay. I want to talk about – I just thought of this, and I've had this question for a while. And this, in these states that are, that are legalizing marijuana – does the employer still have the right to refuse someone a job if they drug test for marijuana? Yes. So that this federal law or the whatever state law comes yeah. about does not supersede the right of the employer. No, it's, it's just like, um, you know, you may be smoking marijuana legally, but if you're driving, you're, you're driving under the influence. You're still illegal. You're right. still illegal. And, and so you if can, you show up high, I have the right to send you home. Well, you're a potential workers' comp situation. Yeah, that was not well. We that's we're getting into the political area there, but there have been a lot of things that have happened that are just absolutely crazy. Yeah, I mean, it used to be, hey, someone shows up drunk, you can send them home. Now we're into this host of other issues, pharmaceuticals, et cetera. But yeah, I mean, that's probably a talk for a whole nother show. Uh, this is On the Money, brought to you by Embassy National Bank. I'm Joe Moss, your moderator, and we're having a Real good talk with David Post, who runs a company called Future Security, and he helps your organization improve your bottom line through reduction of uh, employee uh, loss as well as employee fraud. And, yes, it is unfortunate, but employees do steal from you. Uh, but uh, Dave's got a lot of um, good ideas on how to stop that and how to, it, how, how to uh, see it and uh, keep it from happening. So it's all in the hire. There's a saying that we can use for a lot of things. Uh, make sure you bring the right people on board and then uh, set up a good policy and procedure. Correct. Is that kind of the next thing you do? So this all under one umbrella. And then I like what you said, invert the profit pyramid. So if the profit, if the profit is being shared, obviously that'll help with morale, which cuts down on employee fraud. And theft and workers' comp issues, and a lot of other things. So and it'll improve productivity. And improve productivity. Well, good. Um, I want to shift gears because I found out uh, uh, right before we started the show, we've got about five minutes left here, that uh, you do a, a, a lot of good in 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 uh in your company and uh, and i got an email right before i came and then i was handed this pamphlet it's called care for cops uh and uh dave runs care for cops here in the state of georgia right so dave talk about care for cops well basically what we do is we financially help the families of law enforcement officers in georgia that are killed in the line of duty uh, one of the things that most people don't realize is that I don't know any police officers, deputy sheriffs, or anyone in law enforcement that doesn't have an off-duty job. That's what they do to help make ends meet, to take care of their families. Well, as soon as they're killed, the off-duty job stops immediately. Yeah. And it may be weeks or longer until any insurance kicks in. Meanwhile, mortgages go on. The kids still need uh, lunches for school. And the bills are still coming in. Well, now this is a very critical time. They've just lost a loved one. Could be a husband, could be a wife. Generally, it's a husband only because there are more men in law enforcement. Uh, and there's not another organization that deals with that at that time. 
as soon as we find out about a line of duty death within two days, they'll have well, a check will go out. Now, uh, people may think that, um, oh, the police department will take care of their wife and the children for life. Is is uh, uh, is that true? Well, they'll support the family, but the police department's not going to fund the family. All right. Yeah. And uh, um, care for cops, is that uh, – how can someone give? Well, they can uh, – well, there are a lot of different ways. We, we uh, accept donations at any time. Uh, we have a yearly golf tournament. This year it's at Sugarloaf Country Club on September 2nd, which is the date uh, – the day after uh, Labor Day. Uh, they can either be a sponsor, they can play, they can donate a product that we can auction, or they can just don't, they can just donate money. What is your annual giving requirement? Uh, usually, well, well, usually what we bring in is somewhere around 20,000, uh, each year for the golf tournament. Uh, what's your annual budget though? Well, the, the, I know it's it's, not big enough, but what is it at this point? Well, there's really not a budget, and I'll tell you why there's not a budget. One year, uh, we had 11 officers die. Here in Georgia? Yes. Last year? Then you had nine. And so far this year, we've, only, we've it's been a great year. We've only had three. The year's not up, but so far this year is looking pretty good. So pretty you're covering good. local, county, highway patrol? If they're, oh. if they're in law enforcement in the state of Georgia, Department of Natural Resources, whatever it is, if they're sworn law enforcement officers. You're going to try to take care of them. We will take care of them. Okay. Yeah. Um, if someone has a need, what should they do? Uh, just Google care for cops? Yeah, they can uh, Yeah, they can just uh, Google care for cops. And, uh, or, they can go to, or they can go to care, the number four cops. Uh, and, dot org. and yeah, and they can just look at the information that we have and find out more about the, uh, about the organization. Yeah. That's one of the things that always hits me the hardest is when I'm watching the nightly news and some thug has decided that he wanted to shoot and kill a cop. Uh, that's the kind of thing that you want to come across into the TV screen and take care of business yourself. And I'm just, uh, real, real happy you're doing this. Thank you. It's, uh, it's a very difficult job nowadays. And, uh, and I'm surprised the numbers are lower this year. I mean, God willing, let's keep them low, but I'm surprised they're lower. We, we hope so. I think, uh, I think officers are, uh, being, uh, a, a little more, maybe a little more observant. You know, every time you walk into a restaurant, you're going to see, uh, if the police officers are in there, they're probably sitting in a corner booth mm-hmm. with their back against the wall. Um, but the, the scary thing now is that lately there have been not in Georgia, but there have been ambushes of law enforcement officers. Two Las Vegas uh, officers were in a restaurant having lunch, and some people came in and shot them both. Uh, another police officer uh, out west was sitting in his patrol car. I don't know whether he was working on his uh, report or what, but somebody shot him through the window. Just because. Just because. Mm. Wow. And... uh so a young police officer is probably potentially a young child at home and doesn't have a dad. They anymore. average about two to three. Everyone that's killed usually has two to three children at Man, home. Man, that's sad. That's sad. Um, well, I hate to end it on a down moment, so let's try to um, let's let's come back, Dave. 
um, for small companies that want to get a little help. Maybe they think they've got a, an employee theft or fraud or work comp problem. How do they get in touch with you? Well, they can just, uh, they can call me. Uh, you know, you can pull up future security, look at, uh, look at what the, the different kind of services that we provide, or they can just call our office at 678-541-0950. And um, um, I believe, I know, uh, that through all of this, hiring Dave, he's going to save you more money than what you have to pay. I think that's probably a guarantee. Well, in all the years, I think one of the things that helps, I not only have a bachelor's in psychology, but I have a master's in business and 40-some years in the security end of the business. So you put all that together, and uh, I can generally help some companies tighten up. Uh, and it may not all be security-related. It may be management-related, communications-related. But there's always things that uh, we can do to help. Yeah, I would encourage you all to, to uh, look out for David and uh, bring him in if you feel like there's a need. Um, just sitting here talking to him, I can, I can sense that there is a, a presence here and that uh, he'll be able to help you. So... Um, Dave, thanks for being on the show. Thank you, Joe. Um, and this is Joe Moss. Uh, you've been listening to On the Money, brought to you by Embassy National Bank, where we help small businesses understand the minefield in which they play in. And uh, we thank you for listening, and we will see you next week. And make it a great day out there, everybody. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot.